Welcome to Printing Profits. One thing you learn very quickly working with an online store is the importance of tracking data. Now, I know what you're thinking. Data? Surely your designs or marketing are what really count. And I thought so too. But the more successful POD sellers I talk to, the more I've come to understand that in the world of e-commerce, data is king. Welcome to Printing Profits. I'm Tyler Zuffer. And if there's one person who understands the value of using data wisely, it's Starla Moore. She is a true master of balancing science, psychology, and strategy to thrive as an online seller. Starla became an Etsy seller online at 19 years old and hasn't worked a day job since. She became a top 1% jewelry seller on Etsy for over five years with $100,000 in sales. Now, Starla coaches new Etsy sellers online through her handmade Alpha Academy program, has 50,000 subscribers on YouTube, making her one of the leading authorities about selling online. She's also a public speaker who lectures about business at various schools and colleges and is a manager at erank.com, Etsy's most popular SEO tool. But want to know the best part? All of that doesn't even cover half of her resume. In fact, I'll let her explain the rest. Starla, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much. So I have been reading your story, and I got to be honest with you, this whole 19-year-old origin story of Starla Moore, <laughs> young Starla Moore, starting her first Etsy store and then never working a day job since, I mean, most 19 year olds I know, they're still trying to figure out who they are, uh, what they want to do with their life. And here you are surprisingly so well put together, or at least I assume. Um, tell me what drove you to become so successful so quickly? Well, first of all, I was not well put together. I was as dumb as every 19 year old. Not, Thank no you. I needed to, to hear 19. that. I really needed to hear that. All right, go ahead. Yeah, my, my, my husband was in the military, so I did have that leverage of, you know, being able to stay at home. Um, and what happens when you're 19 years old and you're newly married to somebody who's in the military? Well, you have a baby. That's that's what all military couples do. Right. And because I was kind of locked on this military base and in this cage in the middle of the desert, you know, with big barbed wire fences and armed guards, um, I felt like, you know, I didn't want to just sit around and be one of those daycare mommies. Mm. I really wanted to do something with that time. So I took any time that I would have used for college or, you know, I did plan to go at the at the point, but I decided to take some of that time and start researching business. And I started reading books like Predictably Irrational by Dan Ariely. I started reading books like um, Who Moved My Cheese by Spencer Johnson, <laughs> uh, The Paradox of Choice by Barry Schwartz. I started doing research on SEO. And ultimately, I built up a at the time, small jewelry brand that turned into a six-figure business. It started getting featured in major news and media, and things just kind of skyrocketed from there until my husband didn't need to re-enlist when his next term came up. Hmm. Wow. So. I mean, I, I want to skip a little bit because we're going to talk about your journey in between, but when you think back about how that started, selling on Etsy, and then all the success that you've had so far, especially teaching um, other people how to become Etsy sellers. Is there a moment or moments that you're particularly proud of that you look back on? 
Yeah, I mean, there are quite a few. One of the proudest, though, it's not even really tied back to coaching, um, but it, it just stands out in my mind. We had a friend reach out to me who was stationed um, overseas um, in a Middle Eastern territory, and they had found a stray dog that was hmm. that was walking. And uh, apparently over there, it was like a death sentence because they were in a war zone. And because my audience had grown so large during that time through my business, yeah. I put out one call to action. You know, everybody buy, buy products today. I've got, you know, I've just stocked my shop, buy products today. I'm going to put this money towards them shipping this dog to the U.S. Wow. And about a month later, I got a photo of this little dog wearing a little red, white, and blue bandana oh um, as it's like little welcome to America. Uh, and, and it was that of all the things that I've done, I've spoken at colleges, I've spoken at my high school multiple times. I've spoken on stage in front of 1200 people. But that moment when mm. I realized that making money has the power to in an instant, if you have to make a split section or second de decision to help someone or front money into something if even if it's something like your car breaking down yeah. out of nowhere and you have the flexibility to be able to do that without it causing some huge financial hit like on your bank account mm -hmm. that is what the freedom of running a business is so that's probably one of my proudest moments even if it's not really the one that people would expect <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that says a lot that, you know, out of all the things that you've done, that this is the thing that you're proud of. I mean, I, I'm <laughs> I'm floored by that because, you know, that's what we do when we talk about business, to talk about the freedom to kind of live the, your life the way that you wanted to invest in the things that you want to, you know, and in your case, help in the way that you want to. And yeah, no, that's that's amazing. One of the things that another thing that that sparked my curiosity about you is this idea that you work with psychology, science and data uh, to sell online. Can you describe to me how those three things um, can come together to help entrepreneurs succeed with their online stores? Yeah. So the psychology and science side it can work alongside the data side, but they often butt heads because the the science and psychology side is often kind of nonsensical. The way that the human brain really works is often nonsensical. And that's why I <laughs> mentioned Dan Ariely's Predictably Irrational. I highly recommend um, anyone listening read that book if you want to learn how irrational our brain works. But it is designed for very primitive functions. It is designed to get food. It is it is a pleasure seeker. It mm. wants to find a a companion to spend life with. It wants to feel safe. And if we look at the things that the human brain is wired to do, mm. and then we kind of use those triggers in order to sprinkle really psychologically compelling, I call them golden nuggets throughout mm -hmm. our marketing, our shops, um, and anywhere that you are having an online presence, it is really, really powerful because people are afraid of loss. So if you've got a sketchy looking shop that isn't branded where you've got no photos in your mm. about section and you know that that makes people feel apprehensive um, through your marketing. If you're ingenuine, if your marketing looks like everybody else's, well, our brains are designed to find the thing 
that stands out, the red berry in a bush or, you know, a a honeycomb. Our brains are designed to find pops of color and things that would be useful to us. So you have to make your marketing useful. So there's that part that is harder to explain and it doesn't fit in a neat square box. And then there's the boring data part, which is... (laughs) um, what humans actually do. And that is what is really fun because in our brain, you know, we all, we often think that we know how people are going to behave. And I see this a lot with Etsy SEO and people who try to do things like their um, Etsy titles and tags. And they think that they know what people are searching for. But then when you actually go and dive into the data of what people are typing into that search bar, it can be completely different than what you assumed and people search in really weird ways. So I guess those two things kind of go together. But when you explain them, data is cut and dry. Yeah. It is it is as accurate as it is quantified. The more mm. of it you have, the more accurate it gets. Human psychology is set in stone. This is this is science. These are proven rules that cannot be disputed. However, they can be interpreted in many ways. Interesting. So, yeah. I mean, I love that that there's that there is that connection to data because ultimately, you're right. Data is the source of. Uh, of everything there, but when when it comes to selling uh, selling online in particular, why do you think it's so important for new entrepreneurs in particular to keep data at the top of mind just as they're starting out? Well, it's it's your proof. Mm-hmm. Data is your proof in everything. When right. I see so many, especially in print on demand, sellers who will have a lot of great ideas and they will toss all of these ideas onto shirts or mugs and toss them into an Etsy shop. And then they start posting online, when do my sales come? But they forget the human element. A human, there has to be demand there. They think that there's some algorithm that's going to calculate when their first sale is going to arrive. And that's just not how it works. There has to be a human on the other side of that. You have to be able to meet demand. And the way to do that is by analyzing data. Mm. It's one of the reasons why... um, over at E-Rank, we have a fantastic tool called our Monthly Trends and Trend Buzz Reports, where we show the top 100 searches for any given category, including uh, top-selling POD products. That way, you can really dive into that data. And, and one of the big things that I see people do is they take it a little bit too literally, mm-hmm. where they will just stick, you know, if they create t-shirts, they'll stick around in the POD section and, and look at all of the trending shirts, and they'll say, well... You know, I don't. None of that fits my niche, or I don't want to make any of that. But you can learn so much by, for example, going into the paper and party supplies niche, and you mm. see that Dungeons and Dragons is trending. Well, you can't make Dungeons and Dragons product, obviously, because there's you know trademark and copyright. Sure. But that that stands to reason that dragons in general might be trending. Well, we've got House of the Dragon, Game of hmm. Thrones. You know, dragons are are becoming more popular in the public eye. Maybe you could take some of those trends and and steal from the paper and party supplies niche and sprinkle those into your own POD niche. So it's it's about looking at the data and not just taking it literally, but also being innovative in how you use that data. And that's part of what I do and what I really try to advise sellers on um, as somebody who kind of stands as a coach, not just on you know behalf of my own channel, but on yeah. behalf of the the E Rank brand as well. Well, you mentioned a few metrics there when talking about data, but um, what metrics do you think should be important for new online sellers uh, to keep track of in order to succeed? Definitely search volumes. Uh, mm. That that goes for anywhere that they're selling. Um, search volumes are going to tell you what the demand is. Um, and, you know, I see a lot of sellers who also stress about competition. And I'm going to speak, you know, mainly on behalf of Etsy because that's what I specialize in. Right. But the way that Etsy's algorithm works, 
is that Etsy gives little boosts in search which it's the accumulation of what they call your listing quality score. Mm -hmm. They give little boosts in search to sellers who have positive activity on their listings. Uh, if someone finds your listing organically in search uh, and favorites it organically in search, you can't like post your link on Facebook and tell all your friends to go favorite it. That doesn't work, but they can tell <laughs> if it's been an organic find yeah. or if, you know, if someone's purchased your listing or if, um, if your listing has gotten a positive review, those things help to boost that listing in search. So a lot of sellers, they freak out about competition. But I don't think that competition is necessarily a bad thing because it tells us two things. One, it tells us that there is demand. Mm. It tells us that if there are a lot of products, there is clearly demand for this product because somebody else has already proved it, yeah, right? Absolutely. And it also it also tells us that there is a way to get to the top. Because obviously, you know, just because there's competition, it doesn't mean that you are going to be nestled at the bottom of that competition. Mm. Um, so especially on Etsy, as long as, you know, you are doing a little bit of the legwork, maybe sending some people from social media, building up a brand. I mean, that's really what it's all about is not just relying on Etsy to send you traffic and not just relying on, you know, social media to send you traffic, but finding a nice even mix of it. So honestly, when it comes to analyzing data, the, the top three things that I look at are, are trends first, you know, to give you a general idea. And then I start diving more into search volumes. And then competition is the last thing that I look at. Um, you know, click-through rates and things like that. You could get into mm -hmm. your click-through rates if you saw that, you know, there was, everybody was searching for something, but no one was clicking. That might be a red flag, but it it's usually the search volumes they tend to cooperate well with things like your clicks and click-through rates. Right. It's very uncommon that people will search for something and then not click anything. So, What about data points that give us kind of a snapshot into um, the behaviors and preferences? I mean, I know that we were talking about the psychology of data before. I mean, you, you've given us a lot of like metrics in terms of just understanding searches, but are there some that you look into when you're really trying to kind of build your customer profile or just understand how or why customers shop the way that they do? Yeah, well, I mean, it just depends on what you're going to be tackling first. Mm -hmm. um, when you are starting out as a seller, the very first thing and the thing that I see most sellers neglect is, is doing, you know, uh, target customer building and, and really trying to build out who that individual is. Um, you need to start identifying things like, how old are they? Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, if you decide how old they are, then maybe you shift to say, okay, let's look at some of the top social media platforms. What are the primary demographics for those? That's one of the first things that I do is what is the primary age demographic for Pinterest right now? What is the primary age demographic for Instagram? What is the primary age demographic for Twitter? And you start dissecting things like, okay, is it mainly you know men or women who use this platform? How old are they? What do they typically use it for? And most of these web Websites have their own pages where you can access this information. I know that Pinterest has a really fantastic mm -hmm. one, but these are all ways that you can really, I mean, there's endless ways to use data to your advantage, but building target customer profiles, looking at where they're hanging out online, what they're doing, analyzing, you know, what they're interested in, even little things like the lingo that you're using. Mm. Uh, if, if you're selling to an audience of, you know, we'll say 20 year olds, you're not going to use the same lingo that you're sure. going to be using with businessmen yeah. who are in their forties. It's yeah. just, it's not gonna get you very far. What about 
looking into your competitors? I mean, I know that you mentioned like checking out the competition in terms of, you know, search volume and stuff, but how much time do you think new sellers should spend on looking at competitor data? Um, so I think that you should definitely keep an eye on it, but don't obsess over it because mm. I also see sellers that spend more time looking at what their competitors are doing or complaining, you know, oh, my competitors are selling Disney products. How dare they? I'm going to report all their <laughs> listings. Yeah. You know, that's it, it's frustrating, but that's unfortunately not going to really help. Um, what I really recommend is finding the top competitors in your industry. Don't worry about anybody else. Find the top ones, look at what they're doing, start identifying, for one, some of the keywords that they're using. That's that's a great thing that eRank provides. Um, we have great competition tracking tools. We can tell you how many um, you know sales your competitors are getting. We can tell you things like um, what tags they're using for their listings. We're actually, mm. we're working on a browser extension that will hopefully be launching in the next few weeks where while you're shopping on Etsy, you can actually open that browser extension and identify the, the keywords that- um, that your unique competitors are using while you're on that page. But I don't think that you should spend so much time nitpicking on competitors. um, Because one other thing that I've noticed that we do, especially in print on demand, is we tend to accidentally borrow ideas rather mm-hmm. than being creative on our own. That's a very and I polite see it all, way to put it, yeah. Yeah, it's, and you, you don't even mean to do it. You, it's like, wow, I, I heard this cool quote somewhere and I don't remember where I heard it, but this would sound great on a shirt. And it sure. turns out that you brain dumped where you saw it, but you actually saw it from another seller. And mm. then that seller finds out that you're doing it and then they get mad and it turns into a big thing. So, mm. um, you know, I, I, I really do discourage sellers from, for one, obsessing over their competitors, and for two, analyzing every single thing that your competitors are doing, just because it will burn you out and you <laughs> will start to feel bad about yourself. Yeah. What about using marketing when it comes to you know personalizing your marketing? Um, I mean, has that some has that been something you've done in the past where you you've used data to say, okay, you know what, maybe I should be marketing these products in this way or or kind of putting them out there in this sense? Has that ever has that ever happened to you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, I would say that a lot of the times when you sit down and you decide that you're going to start a business and you build out your customer profile, you know, what how, are they male or female? Are they in, you know, what age demographic are they in? Or what is their, you know, average income level? Those are all important things to ask ourselves. And sometimes we build out this beautiful little sheet of paper with all of our <laughs> ideas and all the problems you're going to solve for them with your products and all the ways you're going to appeal to them. And then they turn out to be a completely different audience. Mm. I, uh, when I started my jewelry business, I made these really, really big, like, gothic skeleton key necklaces. And I had it in my head that I was going to be selling to like 19 year olds like me (laughs) at the time. And it ended up, my age demographic ended up being women ages 45 to 65 who were, who were pagans. And I'm like, I don't know anything about pagans (laughs) and every, and and then, but it, it gave me an opportunity to learn. So I would say that, you know, Yes, start with start with some data, start with a goal in mind. Don't just take shots in the dark, have a niche, um, have an idea of where you want to go. But once you start making sales, start making small alterations, start looking Mm. at things like the little profile picture. If you're on Etsy, you know, of the the 
customers who are buying. Um, a lot of them leave their favorites public. You mm. can dive into their favorites and see all the things that they're interested in. Um, and you can get a lot of really great ideas that way. And then you can apply that to your products, but you can also apply it to your marketing. If you notice you know, that all of your customers are maybe in their 20s. Okay, what's popular with 20-year-olds right now? Uh, the 90s, neon, you know, mm -hmm. they 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 missed that window. They weren't around for that. <laughs> so they think that that's the coolest thing ever. You know, in reality, we know that it wasn't that well, cool. Well, it that. was for a while, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it went out as quickly as it came in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they, you know, they're kind of clinging on to that. And now I'm seeing all these really cool shops that have these, you know, retro, like kind of gamer pixelated themes. I'm also seeing seeing a lot of um, like trippy kind of 70s themed products coming, especially in print on demand shirts, like drippy smiley faces. And um, it, it's there's there's just so much that that you can learn by really deep diving into the people who are already purchasing from you or the people who are interacting with you on social media. Um, I, I know a lot of people say, how do you how do you have time to do it all? But when you start realizing that there's so much more than just sales that you can get from things like your marketing and your social media. You realize that even if I'm not making a sale tomorrow when I make a post, mm -hmm. I'm able to dig into my analytics and get a little window into the lives of the people who find my products interesting. And yeah, it takes time to build up, but I think it's totally worth it. You know, this is, I, I want to go back to something you said about um, this time in your life where you were one of the top jewelry sellers on Etsy. And then you transitioned to, you know, working at E-Rank and doing Etsy education. Um, what made you do that transition? I mean, it seems like if you're at the top 1% of anything doing the best, I mean, it <laughs> feels like you want to stay there. But here you are, you're diving the, into E-Rank, you're, you're, you started this handmade alpha uh, course, and then you're also lecturing. I mean, what was the, what was the point that made you want to transition into doing all that? So I was sitting at my desk, making my keys, every single day, day in and day out. I was a one woman show. I had hired help in the past. Um, it didn't go that great. Nobody really could do what I did at the capacity that I did it because I trained myself on you know what I was creating sitting on a military base with literally nothing but that to do. I turned right. myself into the machine. Um, but demand got high and then COVID struck. And then Swarovski Crystal, who was my biggest uh, supplier, hmm. they cut ties with um, crafters, basically. You weren't allowed oh. to use their crystals um, or, you know, I couldn't even say that the crystals on the products that I already had in stock, I was not allowed to refer to them as Swarovski Crystals. Wow. Um, so basically, I, I put my shop on vacation mode. Deciding, okay, I will revisit this when I have a plan. And during that time, I took a lot more work at E-Rank. Um, I started taking on some bigger roles. And I decided, you know what would be so much more beneficial to my time now that I have so many higher level projects that that I want to do because teaching is my passion. I, I actually went to school to hmm. be a preschool teacher and I was a preschool really? teacher for two years. Yeah, my vocational wow. school through my high school. Um, I was my last two years of high school. I was actually on the job in high school. So I do my morning wow. classes and then I would go during the day and um, work in a daycare. But I really wanted to teach and it's what I enjoyed the very most. So I decided to 
go with print on demand. It made things so much easier. Um, I, it's it's still the easiest thing that I do out of all of my businesses. Mm. Um, I have experimented with multiple shops, platforms. Um, I've I've tried a little bit of everything. And I'm actually working on another print-on-demand business. But as of right now, we've got three different ones wow. and hopefully a fourth one on the way. Um, <laughs> so it's it's way easier. Highly, highly recommend it. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad you do. I mean, hey, listen, but being a teacher, being a coach or a public speaker, before I let you go, here's one thing that I'm curious about, because you've, you've helped so many Etsy sellers get their feet off the ground. Um, what's the most common advice you find yourself giving to, to new online business sellers? Oh goodness, there's so much. Um, I guess, I guess the most common thing that I find myself repeating weekend and week out is that there is no one answer to anything. Hmm. I always have sellers who will contact me and say, "How do I be successful?" Hmm. And I've had to stop. And, uh, Starting out, it was almost like an insult because <laughs> I'd spent so many years accumulating yeah, all yeah, of yeah. this knowledge and you expect me to can that into yeah. a tuna can for you and give exactly. it to you. There's no way. Um, yeah. There's no one answer. As a seller, what you need to do is make a list of the things that you need to do. Finding your niche, identifying your target customer, defining your brand and getting your branding established to help build tr uh, trust. Uh, nailing product photography. Don't just rely mm. on your mock-ups. Order some samples. Put those samples Definitely. on. Start getting some pictures in your samples. Those yep. photos convert so much better. Um, learning SEO, no matter where you're selling, you have to know SEO. You have to know how many people are actually searching for those products. You have to use the keywords that they're using. And then, you know, slowly but surely, choosing social media marketing channels to tackle. Um, I highly recommend Instagram, uh, Pinterest, and TikTok because they're really, really easy. All three mm -hmm. of them are really easy. Um, and and they get a lot of visibility without you having to pay a bunch of money into ads. Unlike you know, Facebook, you kind of have to pay to play anymore. But with those platforms, you can take advantage of short form video content that gets distributed to everybody. Absolutely. Pinterest, Pinterest, your pins stay evergreen forever. So as long as that pin is active, you could sell that listing over and over again. Well, that's the major thing. I mean, I think like that's the thing that I hear all the time when I when I when we do these videos and we research this stuff is that there is no magic bullet. Like, and no. they, you know, it's it's like it's it really is dependent on how much effort you put in. At the end of the day, you know, like the more that you put in, the more you get back, right? Ultimately. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There is no luck when it comes to business. There's none. And if you see somebody who you think got lucky, they, they you're probably just seeing the tip of the iceberg and you're absolutely. not seeing anything that lays beneath the surface. 100%. Well, Starla, we really want to thank you for uh, sharing your time with us and your experience. And uh, I really appreciate you coming out here and talking with us. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Welcome to Printing Profits. this is printing success crisp tips by sarah from wholesale ted and one tip that i have is that if you want to get honest feedback on your products your customers are going to give you your most honest feedback they have no bias that makes them want to lie to you they're only going to tell you that they like your products if they actually liked them
And so for me, what I do is I send a survey out to my customers a week after they've received the item to see what they think about it. And this is great because not only can I use that feedback to improve on things or to double down on what is really working, but it also helps me keep track of the quality of the products that my printing providers are creating. Not only does this feedback help me improve on things or to double down on things that are really working, but it also helps me do quality control on my print providers. Because if my customers are continuously giving products a five out of five star rating, then I know that they're really happy with the quality of the product that my print provider is creating. This is Printing Profits. If there's one thing you've definitely learned so far, it's the importance of tracking data to understand your customers' behaviors and optimize your sales strategies. But if you're wondering how you can do that and where you can begin, you've come to the right place because this is trend spotting. Let's start with Shopify and Etsy inbuilt analytics. These two platforms offer built-in analytics tools that provide essential insights about your store's performance. You can use these tools to analyze your customer's behavior, including their location, device, and the products they're interested in. It's a way to help you identify your store's strengths and weaknesses and optimize your marketing and your sales strategy. For instance, let's say you notice that customers from a particular location are buying more of a specific product than from your store. You can use this information to target that location with more ads and promotions, and also consider creating more designs related to that product. Next up, of course, is everyone's favorite, Google Analytics. This powerful tool allows you to track your website's traffic sources, user behavior, and your conversion rates. It also provides you with detailed information about your customers, such as their demographics, interests, and behavior. You can also track where your customers drop off in the sales process and use that information to improve their experience. For example, if you notice that customers are abandoning their carts at the checkout page, you can analyze the page's design and make make changes to simplify the checkout process. You can also send abandoned cart emails to remind customers to complete their purchase. Finally, if you have a standalone store, one thing we highly recommend using is an A-B testing software like Freshworks. It's a program which allows you to test different versions of your website to see which one performs better. With A-B testing, you can optimize your website's design, copy, and layout to increase your conversion rates. You can test different headlines or product descriptions to see which ones generate more sales, and you can also test different colors or images on your website to see which ones are more appealing to your customers. Always remember, data is everything, and at the end of the day, the more you know, the more you grow. Thanks for listening to Printing Profits. We'd like to thank Starla Moore for sharing her experience with us, and at the same time, introduce you to the talented team behind this program. Executive producer, Laura Gelvite, associate producer, Anita Njoki, technical and video production, Emil Yasuns and Valerius Olechno, sound production, Christos Hartmanis, and I'm Taler Suffer. See you next time.